All right, so over a year ago, we began our journey through the mysterious world of the Minor Prophets. Uh, we are progressing through the 12 books in chronological order, and we started with the book of Jonah and his mission to Assyria uh, at the beginning of the 8th century B.C., uh, and we have since followed this up with Amos and Hosea, two prophets that were sent to warn the northern kingdom of Israel of coming judgment should they continue in their idolatrous ways. Now part of the mystery of the minor prophets is in trying to place them on a historical timeline. They, they lack the, the, the familiar narrative um, that, that, uh, that we read through in the history books, our history section of the Old Testament. And so this lack of narrative requires us to do our due diligence and study the historical context in which these prophets served. And so this, was both, this serves to both anchor uh, the writing to a specific time and people, and this also greatly facilitates an accurate exegesis or proper reading of the prophet's words. And so having spent so much time in, in Amos and Hosea, um, there is no doubt, or we, there's no doubt that we are now uh, familiar with the history of the northern kingdom. Uh, for example, we can now recall that the nation of Israel was divided in the year 922 B.C., um, that the first king of uh, Israel was Jeroboam I, that he built these uh, alternative temples to Jerusalem's temple in the cities of Dan in the north and Bethel in the south, that, it, that in each of these uh, temples he placed golden calves, which laid the groundwork, or, or at least the, the planted the seeds for the idolatry, and particularly the Baalism that we would see uh, later on, whose image was represented by the bull. And so this idolatry peaked during the time of Ahab and Jezebel in the middle of the 9th century. Uh, he and the prophets of Baal were confronted by the familiar story of Elijah. We haven't talked too much about that. Um, and then later Elijah's family and the false prophets were slaughtered by Jehu, which we did mention a while back when we were talking about Amos. So Israel uh, would experience a great time of prosperity in this first half of the 8th century, thanks to God's merciful blessings of the kingdom which was led by the great-grandson of Jehu, Jeroboam II. Uh, and during that time, uh, the, the, the disease of idolatry infected the view of God and themselves. Amos, and we, find, uh, we just finished reading uh, later in Hosea, warned Israel of the consequences of their synchristic ways. But they failed to listen, and as the uh, Assyrian Empire grew in strength and size, in the latter half of the 8th century, they advanced into the Levant into the area where Israel was. And so with a rapid succession of uh, evil and ineffectual kings through the second and half of the 8th century, Israel soon became a vassal state of Assyria before being completely destroyed as a nation in 722 BC. Assyria was God's instrument of judgment on the idolatrous Israelites. And so having studied Israel, or Hosea and Amos, the, the history of the northern kingdom should now be familiar with you. So now as we move into a new set of books, it is now required uh, for us to become equally familiar with the history of the southern kingdom of Judah. Seven of the remaining nine prophets that we'll look at will be addressing conditions and, and issues uh, affecting Judah uh, directly. Uh, the, the two exceptions are Nahum's or, uh, prophecy, which are directed towards Assyria, and Obadiah, uh, who turns his uh, prophetic words towards Edom. And so as, as to anchor um, and, and correctly interpret Micah and these other prophets, uh, it's important that we put 
them in their historic context, that we find their setting in the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, initially, I wasn't sure how long. I figured this might be just a quick kind of 15 minutes, and we'll get right into uh, Micah. But it's just too much good stuff in that history. And, and uh, I, I felt it was necessary to, to kind of walk through the timeline here to familiarize ourselves once again with things that, that, that uh, Hosea and the other prophets are going to refer back to. And so when we talk about these names, you'll have some sort of uh, framework by which to put them in. And so we'll begin the, the, the survey in, uh, at the time of the nation's division, which was in... 922, excellent. Uh, most, of his, uh, most of this history uh, can be found starting in uh, first, uh, first Kings 11 and Second Chronicles 9, if you want to read through there. And, and it's, 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 it's good reading. It's good reading. I enjoyed going through that. Uh, so it's, it's filled with these stunning acts of, of courage, of bravery, intrigue, alliances, may a point of humor or two. All this under the providential hand of God, unmistakably moving uh, nations and in control of what's going on. And so, following Solomon's death, uh, his son Rehoboam became king in 922, and the split was, was at least superficially or ostensibly uh, over the tax burden due to Solomon's ambitious buildings, building plans. Uh, this, the, the northern ten tribes figured that this was a good time to kind of renegotiate uh, their, their side of the deal. But more foundationally, uh, this, the reason for the split of, of the nation was as punishment for Solomon's idolatry. And we get, uh, we get the, uh, um, a picture of the state of Israel uh, at the end of Solomon's life in 2 Kings 11, 7. Or sorry, 11, starting verse 4. He said, or it says, He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. His wives led, sorry, his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart toward the gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of uh, David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the, go- the, god- the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the, go- the detestable god of the Amorites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as his father David had done. On the hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Kamash, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did all the same for, his foreign, for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon, because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the god of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. And so we get the picture of Solomon, uh, the, the wisest man to live, the man, and specifically references, the man to whom God has appeared to twice, the man whose father was fully devoted to God, and yet he could not remain obedient. Later in the chapter, the prophet, uh, the prophet Ahijah met with one of Solomon's officials, who Solomon had placed in charge of the, 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 one of the labor crews uh, for the tribe of Joseph in the building plans of, of, Sol- of Solomon. And that official turned out to be Jeroboam, the one who would be the first king of Israel. And so a prophet comes to, to the prophet tells Jeroboam that, quote, the God will take the, will take the kingdom from, from, the son, from his son's hands um, and give you ten tribes. I will give uh, one tribe to his son uh, that David, my servant, may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I chose 
to put my name. And as you read through that, the, this history, that caveat, that promise of God to David is the only thing that, that seems to suggest that, uh, that, uh, that Judah lasts any longer than Israel. When you read about the evil kings of Israel, um, they, they are just as prime and just as deserving of the crushing defeat that we see uh, in the north. It's this promise that keeps coming up time and time again um, as, as a thing that, that saves uh, uh, Judah for as long as it does. And so he even, uh, in this promise here, uh, in the next couple of verses, even Jeroboam himself is promised a dynasty just like David if he's obedient. But in fact, we know how that ends up turning out. And, uh, without details, it doesn't give us any specific details. Uh, it says Jeroboam rebelled against Solomon, and as a result, he, fl- he flees down to Egypt and finds protection under the king or the pharaoh down there by the name of Shishak. And we'll come across him in a second. Like I said, all this ends up being tied together. I love all these connections. So once Solomon dies, uh, those upset with uh, Solomon's treatment, his tax burden, actually end up recruiting Jeroboam to return back from, Jer- from Egypt and essentially make him the, 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 the point man in the negotiations. So you have Solomon's son on one side and Solomon's adversary on the other side in negotiations. And so obviously these, these talks end up collapsing. Jeroboam becomes king of, of, uh, of, uh, Isaiah, or of Israel as prophesied. And with the nation divided, uh, Rehoboam quickly uh, sees the need to fortify his position in, in Jerusalem. Uh, both states are in a uh, kind of a weakened position divided now, and certainly Judah is even more weakened as the smaller uh, states compared to where Jeroboam, or uh, compared to what Jeroboam was ruling, the ten, uh, ten tribes given to him. But despite the, this attempt to kind of fortify some of the cities uh, in Judah, uh, this Shishak, the guy who had sheltered Jeroboam, takes advantage of the situation. He read, you read about how he raids and plunders, uh, in fact, both states, both Judah and Israel, um, and this includes a raiding of the temple and the royal palace. And so as, as kind of an indication of how low things got uh, in, in Judah, it talks about how Rehoboam had to replace the stolen golden shields with ones of bronze. Uh, I'm sure that, that, that was uh, encouraging for the army. And so under Rehoboam, it says that... Um, if I get my slides right, there we go. It says that Judah did what was evil in the uh, Lord's sight. They provoked him to jealous anger more than all the ancestors had done uh, with the the sins they committed. They also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars, and Asherah poles on every high hill and every green tree. There were even male uh, male cult prostitutes in the land that that imitated all the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had uh, deposed before the Israelites. And so as you can see, this is reads just like we've been going over in Amos and uh, Hosea. And this ongoing antipathy between uh, Israel and Judah uh, is continued over uh, into First uh, Kings 15, 6. It says, There had been war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of Rehoboam's life. And this continues into uh, Rehoboam's son, um, where it says, There was also war between Abijam and Jeroboam. And so uh, Abijam, uh, the son of, uh, son of uh, Rehoboam here, also continued in the depraved idolatry of his father. And so you get this, this picture of a land filled with these idols, these high places, these pagan altars uh, scattered throughout every high hill and green place, far from, far from 
the nation that God had set up to be a priest, or a, a, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. But Abijam's son would become the first of the five Judaite kings to be uh, described as doing quote, what is right in the Lord's sights. So Asa comes to the throne around 913 BC. Uh, Asa removes many of the idols in high places and pagan shrines uh, in Judah. And I love this, he even deposes his own grandmother. Uh, you can read about that in 2 Corinthians 15, 6. Um, his, his, his idolatrous grandmother who had set up uh, uh, pagan images. He gets rid of her. Um, this guy was serious. Uh, and at a great gathering uh, 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 at the restored temple, all the Israelites in the southern kingdom rededicate themselves again to the covenant faithfulness with God. And by trusting in God, we see another thing that's familiar uh, through this, uh, this time frame, is that Asa has the ability to, to uh, destroy or defeat uh, a vastly larger uh, army. In this case, a million-man army had marched up from Ethiopia, and he uh, uh, thoroughly defeats, the, uh, defeats this army by uh, leaning on God. However, with, uh, when Israel uh, advanced on Judah in, in Asa's final years, instead of leaning on God again, he actually ends up using uh, uh, funds and, and gold from the, from the temple to bribe and convince the, the Aramean king uh, to attack Israel from the north, therefore distracting uh, the, the Israel from, from coming to the south. And for this, the prophet Hanani rebukes uh, uh, Asa for, for failing to rely on God as he, as he had done in the past. And sadly, um, Asa ends up dying of a foot disease during which it says in... Uh, Second Chronicles 16, that even during the, this foot disease, he did not seek the Lord, but only physicians. You could say this is a tragic footnote to an otherwise good reign. Asa's son Jehoshaphat uh, would follow in his father's footsteps. I'll leave it there. As uh, one, of the, one of Judah's good kings as well. And he was crowned around 873. So we're about 50 years uh, past the split now. And the chronicler uh, writes that uh, about uh, Jehoshaphat, that his mind rejoiced in the Lord's ways, and he again removed the high places and their Asherah poles from Judah. Uh, that phrase uh, of, of, re of removing high places and Asherah poles, that happens time and time again. They never completely wipe these things out. They do, they're either so prominent or they keep coming back that it's a constant uh, duty of any good king, uh, yet they never completely f uh, fulfill that job. But uh, kind of in reference to this, the fact that his mind rejoices in, rejoices in the Lord's ways, we see this, in fact, uh, by Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat sends out officials and Levites throughout the kingdom with the scroll of the law in order to teach all the people um, uh, of God's ways. Uh, I, I, love seeing, I love that image uh, of these guys carrying the scroll around the countryside, teaching the people again. And 2 Chronicles uh, 17.10 tells us that the terror of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the land that surrounded Judah, so they did not fight with Jehoshaphat. So we got a period of peace here. And, uh, there is, uh, and when uh, uh, a large army from the northeast did advance on Judah, um, God ends up wiping them out even before Jehoshaphat's army arrives. They, they, they basically arrive on scene and collect all the loot. So they only have to fight uh, against the, these foreign invaders uh, because this is in response to Jehoshaphat's prayer to God for help. 
However, instead of continuing to war against Israel, uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, so, so the previous kings have always been a kind of a, a, a war, or at least an opposition to Israel. We see that change with Jehoshaphat. Uh, and twice he enters into what would be ill-advised alliances with the evil kings in the north. Uh, once militaristically with Ahab, and then once again uh, ec- er, in an economical relationship uh, with his successor. And both turn out disastrously. Um, but beyond that, the, beyond this direct fa- or failure, the, the longer-term implications uh, come from this establishment of friendly relationships with the North. These, these, these serious indirect consequences are seen in the fact that Jehoshaphat's son, the next king of Judah, uh, Jer- uh, Je- Jehoram, marries Athaliah. Athaliah is the daughter of Ahab and uh, Jezebel, not prime stock um, you want in your country or in any kind of authority here. And we're going to see this relationship play out, not just for this uh, generation, but continuing forward. So Jehoram uh, swiftly uh, kills his six brothers and any other potential rivals to the throne. And in, uh, in a revealing verse, Second Chronicles 21.6, it summarizes Je- uh, Jehoram's reign. It says, He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done. For Ahab's daughter was his wife. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. And so many of the enemies that had been subdued uh, by his father and grandfather end up returning to plague the land, um, and, and, uh, as, as did the pagan practices and places. And as divine punishment, the Edomites uh, again pillaged the palace. They carry off his wives, his sons, and the Lord uh, uh, afflicted Je- Jehoram with a stomach uh, disease that lasted two years. Uh, and it says that his intestines came out because of this disease, and he died from severe illness. And so after eight years, I love this epitaph the Chronicler gives him, that he died to no one's regrets. Like, no one was sad to see this guy go. That just gives you a sense of, of in eight years, how, how, how far they had fallen from Asa and Jehoshaphat. So this, uh, the ongoing consequences of Jehoshaphat's and Jehoram's alliance with the north continued. Um, of uh, Asa's reign, uh, or kingship, the only son that was not taken by the Edomites, um, it says that he, he as well, in very similar language, walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, and he did evil in the sight, uh, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, like the house of Ahab, his father, who had married into the house of Ahab. So once again, that relationship is still there, still infecting the next generation. And, we, and it continues in Second Chronicles, he walked in the ways of his house of Ahab, for his mother gave him evil advice. That marriage, that relationship with evil uh, north plagued and infected the, the, the south. And so one year into his reign, Ahaziah was killed near the, the Israelite city of Jezreel, along with his ally, King Jehoram of Israel, by Jehu, who had been wiping out the, the house of Ahab and the prophets on, on commands from Elisha. So um, the, uh, Ahaziah and, and Jehoram had, had formed a militaristic alliance to go after, um, I believe it was Ramoth Gilead. And in, in battle, Jehoram got injured, he went back to Jezreel, and Ahijah went up to, to, to check on his friend, and it's in the midst of going on uh, into the north, checking on his friend, is when he gets killed. And so upon his son's death, or her son's death, Athaliah again 
comes to the forefront and seizes the opportunity to grab the throne for Judah of Judah for herself. So she marries into uh, marries into the Jewish royalty, as it were, into Judas, uh, Judaite royalty. Advises her son, and now herself is sitting on the throne, usurping the power that uh, uh, that would otherwise go to to other heirs had she not killed them off herself, save for one. And this is where we get the uh, amazing story of Jehoshabeth. Uh, Jehoshabeth was was Jehoram's uh, daughter, so the previous king's daughter. She was the sister of Azahiah. She was the wife of the priest uh, um, Jehoiada and the aunt to, to Johash. And this is the last remaining son of Azahiah. All these lovely connections. So Je- Jehoshabeth rescues her one-year-old nephew from this, this slaughter that's going on. And along with her husband the, and priest, uh, Jehoiada cared and raised uh, uh, Joash in, uh, for six years in the temple. And uh, I'm sure there's something there that, that they were able to hide this child in the temple for six years. Um, I think that tells you how often Athaliah visited that, uh, that place. Uh, it was a safe place to keep, uh, keep this child. And so when the boy was seven years old, uh, Jehoiada uh, discreetly organizes this, this large coronation uh, for, for Joash. And so this is around 837. Uh, and so he gathers people from all over, um, uh, all over Judah. He arranges guards to, to watch over the place. And it's at, at the point of that, they, that, that uh, Joash is coronated that uh, you get this idea of, of cheers going up, noise, commotion going on. And it's only at that point that Athaliah is curious about what's going on. She hears this noise and goes and checks over there. Lo and behold, realizes what has happened, that, that Joash has just been um, crowned. Jehoiada orders the guards to arrest her, and she is removed from the temple and summarily executed. And so under the guidance of, of, of this priest, uh, Jehoiada, the, the, the young king, uh, repairs and restores the temple. Uh, Athaliah had actually taken templar objects from the Lord's temple and used them in a, in a temple to Baal. And this temple, uh, once uh, Athaliah was out of the way, uh, Jehoiada uh, leads Judah in promptly uh, destroying this Baal to t- or temple to Baal along with the priest. Once again, uh, this is a no-nonsense cleaning of the house of Judah. And so the people, uh, once again, recommit themselves to the covenants. And we read uh, that the, the people uh, of Judah regularly uh, offered burnt offerings to the Lord's temple throughout Jehoiada's life. And it should be noted that here it, it's, it's throughout Jehoiada's life and not uh, all throughout jo, uh, Joash's life. Uh, after the, the, the death of this, uh, this faithful man of God, uh, the nation we see again decline into apostasy and idolatry. God and, and God ends up uh, raising up Zechariah. Zechariah is the son of this priest uh, of, Je- of the son of Jehoiada, and he warns again uh, the nation uh, of their abandonment of God, to God and the consequences of that. And in one of the more like this is this is just uh, absolutely tragic passages uh, and just cold-hearted uh, passages of the Old Testament. We read uh, Jeho- uh, jo- uh, Joash's response to uh, the pleas of Zechariah. Uh, it says, But they conspired against him, talking about Zechariah, and stoned him at the king's command in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. 
King Joash didn't remember the kindness that Zechariah's father Jehoiada had extended to him, but killed his son. While he was dying, he said, May the Lord see and demand an account. Like, how cold do you have to be to do that? Like, how, how depraved, how evil. It just, it shocks the senses that, 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 that someone who rescued you at one, crowned you at seven, and now their son you, you are a command to, to be stoned. Um, this account, uh, this, this, this reckoning for Joash's uh, decisions comes quickly as Judah uh, is overrun by, uh, it says, by a few men from, from Aramea. So if a small Aramean army come in uh, and, and raid, the, 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 um, raid the, the temple again, the palace, Joash is seriously wounded, and he eventually is finished off by two of his servants. Joash's son, uh, Amaziah, follows, in the fo- or follows his father uh, to the throne around 800 BC, and also follows his father in his obedience to God, and that is to say, not wholeheartedly. While he listened to the prophetic words, or prophetic advice in defeating uh, Adam, uh, Adam, or, uh, Edomites, he then proceeds after defeating the, 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 the Edomites to bring back a god from there. And so God sends a prophet to, to, uh, to um, Amaziah, and he finds Amaziah worshipping uh, this idol, bowing down to it, burning incense to it, and he asks him a, a somewhat humorous question, I find. Why have you sought a people's God that could not rescue their own people from you? What are you bowing down to this defeated God for? How does this make sense? And, uh, sadly, again, we saw, find uh, Amaziah ignoring uh, this, this warning and foolishly provokes uh, 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 the much stronger Israelite king Jehoash into war. In fact, Jehoash actually sends back a, a response initially saying, boy, don't, don't do this. It's not going to turn out good for you. Essentially, that's why he compares uh, Jerusalem or uh, Israel, or yeah, the northern king of Israel to, to a cedar of Lebanon and Judah to a thistle. So it's like the thistle picking a fight with the cedar, with the cedar tree. Um, and it goes just as, ex- as expected. Um, they are uh, completely wiped out. Uh, Amaziah is, in fact, uh, captured. Uh, and when he is released, conspirators in Jerusalem chase him down to uh, Lachish, where Amaziah is end up being killed. Likewise, his father, uh, Uzziah, or Azariah, you might find in 2 Kings, uh, starts faithfully again, um, but falters to the finish, uh, a familiar pattern that we're seeing in the last few kings. Um, he successfully uh, battle, battled the, the Philistines in the west, the, the Arabs, and the, the, the Meunites in the east, uh, Uzziah uh, improves the fort- fortifications around Jerusalem, some that have been destroyed uh, uh, by Israel. He ends up developing the land agriculturally, uh, and, he, and he has a fully equipped, sizable army. And so as it says in 2 Chronicles 26, his fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for God had made him very powerful. His fame spread even to distant lands, or dif- distant places, for he was wonderfully helped until he became strong. This was a prosperous time that coincided with uh, the prosperity in the north under Jeroboam II. Now this par- power and prosperity um, also led to Uzziah's downfall. Again, the, 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 against the, the prostations of priests, Uzziah enters the, the temple and, and usurps the role of the priest in burning incense. And as a result, God afflicts him, Uzziah, with a skin disease, which forces, forces him into a constant quarantine. 
um, essentially ending his, uh, effectively ending his kingship, and Jothram takes over the, the daily duties of the king. Now it's worth noting that it's also around at the time of Uzziah's death that we see God commissioning Isaiah as prophet. We'll encounter him as well as we look through Micah. And it's at this time, uh, at uh, the coronation of Jotham, that we, find, that we get to the immediate context of Micah. And so the, the, the opening verse of, of the eponymous book reads, the, Lord, or the word of the Lord came to, to Micah the Morishite, what he saw regarding Samaria and Jerusalem in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And so next week we will survey the events of Judah that took place during the lifetime of Micah and, for, and, and, and form the, the immediate backdrop of his prophetic ministry. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of a recount or a recap kept coming up to it. Hopefully it was exciting for you, even if it was coming for me. Um, but in, uh, before we get overrun by, our, by an army ourselves, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that uh, we thank you for your word. We also thank you that you are indeed the God of history. You are uh, a God who has providentially controls, arranges nations, kings to your desires for your glory. Uh, Lord, we thank you that um, we, can, we can rest assured that amidst the chaos, uh, the seeming uh, uncertainty of the future, that indeed uh, this future is not unknown, not uncertain to you. You are the God who is in control. We pray that we look at the uh, kings of old and, 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 and being uh, reminded and warned uh, to serve you wholeheartedly. Lord, you uh, desire to lift up your people, people who are obedient to you, uh, that you may receive glory uh, through them. And I pray that we would be those people uh, for you today in this country. In Jesus' name, amen.